Mama, what's a podcast? Well, it's when a group of men love their opinions very much. Welcome to Feminist Talk Religion, a podcast for members of FSR Lab. This season is focused on intersectionality. Sarah Emmanuel and Nayara Leon will be conducting conversations about it and studying and teaching religious studies. This is the second part of a conversation about international students and scholars in religious studies and will address ways that institutions can better support international students. Our guests will also offer some advice to new and incoming students based on their own experiences. I am Nayara Leon, one of your hosts for this season that is focused on intersectionality. I'm from Brazil and I'm working towards a PhD degree at King's College London. I'm receiving Dr. Esther Perugili and Reverend Dr. Sung Kyung Lee for this conversation. Shanti Esther Perugili has a PhD in Systematic Theology from Union Theological Seminary in New York. She's from Nagaland, Nepal, a third-generation migrant, and calls New York City, Pokhara, and Nagaland a home, though she often sees herself as a nomadic subject. When this conversation was recorded, Esther was just finishing her dissertation that explores ways by which purity, defilement, and danger are embroidery in our understanding of sameness and difference and the ways it further shapes our understanding of the self and of the other. Her commitment is to disrupt and subvert xenophobic and exclusionary culture informed by apophatic theology, liberation theologies, and post-colonial theory. Reverend Dr. Sung Hyung Lee is a pastor in the Korean Methodist Church, and her research involves psychology, social ethics, and women's and gender studies, specifically on the moral values of communal empathy and other emotions. She recently defended her dissertation at Drew University in New Jersey and currently lives in New Mexico. She's a founder of Sojourner Coaching for International Students in Higher Education Settings in the United States. I hope you enjoy this important conversation, and if you feel it can be helpful to someone you know, Please share it. Hi, Esther and Sung. Welcome back. Um, in our last meeting, we talked about how the ambivalences of being an international student works and about our personal experiences and how it translates in our whole way of inserting ourselves into the American Academy through scholarship and work. In this spirit, I would like to start off our conversation uh, with a question to Sung. Sung, you recently defended your dissertation and you work now as a coach for international students. How did this career choice happen? Thank you for asking that because that's, <laughs> that's pretty funny um, that I, I am doing my coaching uh, thing now. At first, I didn't think of it. And, you know, as an international student, another thing, another barrier for us is a visa status. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so I didn't have a chance to work outside of my school. Mm -hmm. 
and and then I, you know, so I was almost like, you know, in my dissertation phase by then, and I got married to a U.S. citizen, <laughs> and you know, I got my permanent residency, and like so, and then like I I had to move to New Mexico, because that's where my husband was living, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm a student still, so I can just move here and until I finish my dissertation. But then the unfortunately in New Mexico there are not many universities that I can teach, mm -hmm. and with proper you know visa status now that I can work <laughs> outside mm -hmm. the school, but now I don't have any, any opportunity around me. Mm. So then, um, you know, I tried to seek a job here, but then there was not much opportunity then. Well, and I applied for some some positions, but then like Nayara said, mm. <laughs> you know, my once my strongest uh, skill, which is communication, <laughs> is not now my weakest uh, one. Mm. So not many people really wanted me. So like I was frustrated. Well, I'll make opportunity for myself. <laughs> so I started, um, you know, my business, coaching business, which I can totally do for international students. And also it makes meaning out of it. You know, like it's very meaningful for me. You also said um, something before about creating um, systems and institutions that actually understand diversity and like appreciate it and it's not just you know a beautiful word mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion and say you know we're doing it but it's important to have like institutions that understand what it means and the challenges that come with it right mm -hmm. um that's something i also thought about a lot uh during my my journey in the united states because i felt like even though i met many well-meaning and um amazing people uh, at an institutional level things were just not you know we're not ready to receive people like me and i felt like a lot of the times um, inclusion is understood as recruitment so let's just bring you know all of those people here from different countries and different backgrounds but then uh, once they're there it's important to know how to how to support them um, so can you both tell us a little bit more about how you feel that um, diversity can actually be, can actually happen in an institutional level and how institutions can, like you said, Sung, uh, acknowledge and appreciate and incorporate who we are? Yeah, I think that's really, really important subject. Like I said, you know, just to start off, professors really need to reach out first to the international student rather than expecting them to come to them because it's very, very hard for them to um, to come to professor in person because they're, you know, the whole environment is new and they're still like struggling to process even what's going on around them. Another thing is, um, understanding the, the diversity, um, the differences really like foundational differences that we are experiencing. It's very, very, like Esther said, like micro level, right? So for the micro level uh, things that, that's happening without naming it, pinpointing it out, 
what's there, like examples and sharing the exp actual experiences, the particularities of it. It's really, it's really almost invisible to us. So I think it would be really important to for professors to kind of make that kind of conversation explicitly, you know, almost like every each class. And what do you learn? You know, like giving the international students chance to to say it, to explain mm -hmm. what what they are experiencing in the classroom. I think Esther will have a lot <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday we um, you know, before you know, we talked I mean, about like, it. I I completely agree with what of what both of you have said, and I really appreciate uh, Naira the point that you made about how these uh, way of translating diversity as recruitment project, you know, the and how harmful that kind of concept is. If you understand. Um, your commitment to multiplicity, your commitment to heterogeneous society, to affirming communities, people from different backgrounds as just a recruitment project, the harm that it will do to us. Like, and, and we see that already, right? And that is one of the new liberal pluralist approach to multiplicity where it's just uh, you bring this person from exotic place just to put a patch on you as another another recruitment another diversity another color or another shades and accent and you use that as a post uh, posture child for your institutions or for your projects and i think that is so harmful i think to really, really do it with integrity is to develop um, an ethical commitment to it. The ethical commitment of also as an institution, as a institution in United States of America to understand its own history of how different discourse of the academy has gone into the constructions of the category of difference itself and how like learning from everyday mundaneness to the discourse let like how all these have translated into this understanding of difference as a site of uh separation where if i'm different then i am so separated from you and if i'm different than you then i am lesser i'm inferior and how that language of difference has a hierarchical translation. And to really do that work as an institution, as an individual in the academia, and at the same time to develop a capaciousness, an ethical capaciousness to be generous to each other so that we hold that difference with tenderness and gentleness. And the reason why I say this is like, I, I need so much gentleness from my fellow students and colleagues here in United School so that I may ask questions and be vulnerable about my ignorance. I am ignorant. I do not know so many things here. So I want to ask you a question. 
And can I ask you that question? Uh, and can you hold that difference between me and you with that gentleness so that I can do it? You know, I can ask and I can learn with you and from you, you know? And also like developing that capaciousness and generosity on my part as well to allow them to ask me questions, right? So I think this critical inquiry, critical inquiry, a robust, uncompromising critical inquiry to understand difference, to deconstruct that so that we come to a place, we, 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 I think it will never, it is a ongoing process where we constantly try to uh, process or deconstruct an understanding of difference which is not imposed with hierarchy which is not imposed with superior and inferiority, those kind of polarization, but right to be different in equality, right? And to come in that community of a reciprocal uh, relationship. And for that, I think our commitment for that critical inquiry, that uncompromising, without any you know <laughs> lacking uh, but at the same time you know having that capaciousness that generosity to be tender that that that, that, that commitment to the deconstruction it is not to be not to be rough not to be uh apathetic you know, doing that work while being tender in our soul and in our relationship with each other. Having that capaciousness, I think really that it is an invitation for ethical capaciousness, at least for me. So I think that balance. Yeah, um, I mean, I really, really agree with Esther. Like that actually, her saying the gentleness and reciprocity and delicacy, right? The delicacy mm -hmm. in between one-on-one -on -one or in a group or in public space is always very important. Mm -hmm. So since we're um, like reflecting about, about the, the experience of international students in this way, mm -hmm. um, would you have any advice for people who are entering, international students who are entering grad school right now or who are entering the job market, what would you say to someone on their first day? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, I have I have a few things to to want to talk about. First, mm -hmm. I think the biggest enemy as an international student is the self doubt. So, because everything around you is telling you that you're different, you're not right, you're not good enough. Everything, even one step outside your room or apartment, everything is just different culturally, socially, institutionally, systemically, just so different that like, mm -hmm. you feel like you're nothing, you're not worthy. So my advice for that is just, you have to just constantly fight your self-doubt. Because as long as you believe in yourself and as long as you're assured within yourself that you are in the right track, then no one can take that away from you. Mm -hmm. But it's hard and it's easier said than done. <laughs> but you have to fight so you can be survivor rather than the victim of the system or differences. Second one is um, 
you always need to find someone who can reassure you constantly, not just within yourself. You, you can also reassure yourself, but it's very hard. So you need some safety, safety network, care network that, mm -hmm. that can support you emotionally. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, someone that you can say you're doing so great. Mm -hmm. you're, you're good. You know, just mm -hmm. remember who you are. Don't be shaken by all these other distorted mindset and perspectives and comments, a racist look mm -hmm. and glare. Mm -hmm. You are good as you are. So, you know, someone find someone that can tell you that. And like last one is be confident. Mm -hmm. You will feel like if you ask a question, if you like feel like you, you shrunk so much and I'm so small mm -hmm. person here and I'm nobody here then be confident because the school accepted you mm. as their student, meaning they believe in you that you can do it. You are capable of doing things here. Mm. Second, that also means school is responsible mm. to provide you right quality of education, safe environment, and good quality of life mm. on campus. So if you are wondering or you're not sure about something, you just have every right to ask and fix things that's not right for you. Mm. So I think like be confident is always very important. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'll just add one more <laughs> thing. Um, this, you know, living in the United States will not offer you automatically just naturally, hey, can you work for me? So in the job market, you if no one you feel like no one wants you mm -hmm. you might also consider making your own opportunity like be creative and think what you can do in this society mm -hmm. so because you learned a lot and you have so many things that other people can learn from you mm -hmm. so appreciate what you have what you know what what you experienced and try to be creative and how to use in, in the ways in which you can use those things to teach, to, to learn together with other people in this community. Mm -hmm. That's basically what I wanted to say, because I, I deal with all these international students who are anxious, mm -hmm. overwhelmed, and scared, and, mm -hmm. you know, so, like, they're, like, going underground, like, oh, my gosh, I'm nobody here. But mm -hmm. that's not true. They are so precious. They are so... Mm -hmm. so worthy mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. have so many things to that that they can contribute to this society so. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah thank you <laughs> what do you think after yeah it's hard to follow song you know <laughs> <laughs> it is hard yeah <laughs> <laughs> because she gave all the points but uh, let me just reiterate like you know whatever she has said like just it's it's really yeah all the things that she said and remembering that this is a reciprocal relationship, right? Like I think uh, we are here to receive, we, we will receive, and uh, there are so many gifts there. Uh, at the same time, we are also a giver. We are making critical intervention in the knowledge productions of United States. And that is not a insignificant role. We are participating in the knowledge protection. The questions that we are asking, the interruptive questions that we are asking in the classroom, or the non sequitur all of that, like you know, with the with the 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 the, the 
the that, uh, the difference of experience with which we are coming to United States and we are participating in this knowledge production. I think uh, we need to yeah we need to really um, understand the 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 critical nature of that like and so it is a reciprocal relationship where we are receiving so much uh in, in this institution in this country from our colleague from our teachers uh from our fellow learners and at the same time we are also participating and contributing in it and i think uh that 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 humility of receiving and at the same time this uh, the recognition of our own contribution is so important to really deal with this uh, imposter syndrome, <laughs> which I think many of us suffer from. I deeply suffer from. I have to remind myself, right? Like, like <laughs> you know, that uh, yeah, I've done the work to be here, you know? So I receive a lot, and at the same time, I'm also contributing and just having that uh, grounding um, um, in our, our relationship. Uh, and and so, like, I cannot emphasize the significance of having community of care when you do this work. It is so important to do that. And sometimes, in my experience, when I first came here. The workload is so heavy and so demanding, and especially as an international student, dealing with this new bibliography, new conversation partner, new history, uh, new context. Of, like it, it requires more time for me to finish the reading and the writing than probably than other students. Yes. And so like initially, yes. I would feel I have yeah. no time at all you know, to do any other things except just like get out, read, sleep, you know, it was just that. But then I realized that it is not sustainable. I, I need to, I need to make time to develop that community of care here too in the United States too. And, 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 and just being kind to yourself to be a little bit critical about the capitalist logic of profit and productivity and 24 hours labor you know uh <laughs> taking time to you know rest and also develop friendship i, I hope we develop friendship y you know uh, i want to make time to meet you all too both of you in person <laughs> and drink and eat and laugh and dance and develop that friendship with you you know I, I want to develop that friendship and that friendship needs time and nurturing and playfulness. Mm -hmm. I, I hope international students don't forget to be playful uh, while we are doing this very, very important uh, and urgent work, you know. Um, I, I do think it's a very important work to participate in this, um, this, uh, this knowledge uh, production. Um, and learning and unlearning process. But I also hope that we don't forget to be playful and then to eat good food and <laughs> develop that friendship and community of care. So yeah, I would leave this with those two words. <laughs> okay. Um I love what you what you both said. It's it's precious. It's precious um advice. And I really hope um 
international students listen to this and this may help someone in, in their path. I know it would have helped me when I was starting to, to get to know people like you or to listen to a conversation like the one we had today. And um, so to finalize, do you have any final thoughts or comments or anything you would like to share? Well, go and thrive. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I, this culture gave me a lot of pain and suffering yeah. and troubles. But uh, in the end, I, I felt very liberated yeah. with what I know, what I expect, uh, experienced and what I learned mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. my friends, from my environment. And the the look you know the self-perception of myself mm -hmm. it all in the end helped me to thrive and to be liberated from what i myself limited myself so <laughs> go and enjoy yeah. pray <laughs> if you have time <laughs> if you don't have time pray too <laughs> in solidarity and in solidarity pray together yeah. Yeah. <laughs> find someone who can pray with you <laughs> true 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 <laughs> yeah okay any final thoughts Esther or are you good yeah I think it's good uh, in solidarity that's it okay <laughs> All right. <laughs> Together we onward. Yeah, in solidarity. Yeah, those are my words. So yeah. <laughs> okay. So thank you both for for coming to Feminist Talk Religion. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your openness and your honesty, and you know, just sharing your precious life story, your precious advice. Like I said before, I wish I had a podcast like this to listen when I was starting grad school. And I hope this, you know, this will be a resource that's going to be there. And I hope people can can find it and access. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing all the knowledge and all the wisdom that you that you accumulated throughout this time, including the advice about being playful and not forgetting to enjoy the experience too because you can get so yeah. caught up in all the workload and all yeah. the difficulties all the barriers and everything that sometimes it's yeah. it's easy to to forget that um there's much to be enjoyed in, in this experience too so thank you for for coming and for sharing all of it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you for having us and for facilitating this conversation. Thank you for listening to Feminist Talk Religion, a Feminist Studies and Religion Forum branch project. Feminist Studies and Religion works to center and connect feminists in religious studies through its various platforms, including a journal, books, blog, and forum. We appreciate your engagement with FSR's branches, especially with the forum's podcast, and would love your financial support. You can donate at www.fsrinc.org slash donate. That's www.fsrinc.org slash donate. We wish to express our thanks to all who have contributed to the Feminist Talk Religion podcast. Special appreciation goes to Oluwatumisi Oridain, Sarah Emanuel, Midori Hartman, and Susan Wooliver for their leadership and committee efforts. 
Thanks goes to Sydney Kaplan for her editorial work, Thomas Lejoie and Scott Jackson for creating the music used for this podcast, and Kimmy Monty, Christy Cobb, and Owen Cobb for their creative work on the intro dialogue. Thanks also goes to the interns at Feminist Studies and Religion, Inc. for their work on promoting this project.